0: Thank you, man. Uh, good afternoon, Joel. Joel, thank you for your, your friendship. It's um, it's a it's a it's a friendship I treasure, and uh, we just had a great time this morning. I don't know two two and a half hours of breakfast and and just really enjoyed it. You can open your Bibles to First Corinthians twelve, or if you've got a Bible app, go to First Corinthians twelve. And by the way, if you're here. And you didn't know this was a seminar about the gift of prophecy. You do have permission to run out of the room right now if you you would like to do that. I I would totally, totally understand. All right. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 14. I told you 1 Corinthians 12. Two more chapters over. 1 Corinthians 14. You would. When uh, Joel invited me to bring some of the folks from Covenant Fellowship, we we wanted to come because we consider you as a part of our family. We do. Um, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, obviously. There's that aspect of being in God's family, but we're in a family of churches, and we we really want to do build relationally together among our churches. And so we wanted to come because we want you to know that we think of you, and we love you, and we pray for you. And uh, since we've been here, it's, it's felt like family. It's just in with family. So thank you for warmly welcome us, and we pray, we've been praying for several weeks that we can serve you uh, in some small way as we take a look at the gift of, of prophecy. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to read the first five verses. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. But even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. May God bless the preaching of His Word. So let me ask you a question. Why are you here this afternoon? Why have you given up a part of your Saturday afternoon to be here? Maybe you're here because... You want to learn more about this gift of prophecy. You may be here because you would like to be prayed for. You'd like to receive prophetic ministry. And you desire to experience God's presence in the community of the church. Maybe you're here because you've had bad experiences in the past that Joel mentioned. Those bad experiences have marked you. And you, you're here because... You're trying to sift through that, and you've got a lot of questions, and you're looking for some, for some answers. See, all those are good motivations to attend a seminar like that on a Saturday afternoon. But before we talk about the gift of prophecy, it's important that we don't miss the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit that he is to his people. Uh, an, uh, uh, a, a quote that I put in your outline from A.M. Stibbs and J.I. Packer says... Imagine an an inquirer attending an ordinary parish church or visiting a whole number of them, for that matter, for an entire year. Would he, by the end of that time, do you think, have become fully convinced that the gift of the Spirit to indwell God's people, corporately and individually, is the supreme and crowning blessing held forth by the gospel? We need, to frankly, we need frankly, to recognize that explicit teaching concerning the Holy Spirit, leading Christians to appreciate the real significant, significance of His indwelling and to experience the fullness of His power is a sadly rare thing at the present time. Yet the Bible sets forth the bestowal of the ministry of the Spirit as the true climax of God's generosity, and the supreme glory of this gospel age. That's quite a statement, isn't it? That the Spirit of God is the the climax of God's generosity. See, it's not the gifts, it's not even the gift of prophecy, but the Holy Spirit who indwells in us and empowers us to use the gift That's the supreme gift that God has given us. According to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, you can look at that verse later, the supreme blessing held forth by the gospel is the forgiveness of sins and the bestowal, the filling of the Spirit of God. So if you're a Christian here this afternoon, here's the the first piece of good news. All of your sins are forgiven. Every one of them. They are forgiven through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the Holy Spirit, it indwells within you. See, it is the Spirit who is a gift from God the Father, from Jesus Christ to every believer in the New Testament age. And we sometimes can forget that when we talk about the gifts. And I'll talk about that a little in a specific way in just a few moments. Now, one of the ways that the Spirit works, we know from Scripture, is that the Spirit works to empower the gifts that God has given us for the common good of the church. You see that in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6, and also then in verse 7. And one of the good works of the Spirit is that when we gather together, like here on a Sunday afternoon, excuse me, Saturday afternoon, as we gather tomorrow morning in a Sunday service, as you gather in small groups, throughout the week, we are to be people, as it says here in verse 1, to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And then he adds this, especially that you may prophesy. Gordon Fee, he makes this wonderful observation. I put this quote in your outline. He says, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, we find the earliest mention of prophecy or prophetic utterance in the New Testament. Although not a frequent term in the Pauline corpus, it occurs in the earliest and latest of the letters Romans 12:6, 1 Corinthians 12:10, 13:2, 13:8, 14:6, 14:22, 6, 14, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 and chapter 4 verse 14, 14 strongly suggests that this was a normal expression of the spirit's activity in the early Christian community. So in earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts, and the gift of prophecy in particular, you are desiring a normal expression of the Spirit's work in the New Testament church. So the question I want to answer with our time in this teaching is, how do you do that? How do you earnestly desire the gift of prophecy? And i got six ways to do that. First of all, pray for the gift of prophecy. One of the ways to earnestly desire the gift of prophecy is to ask God either to give you that gift... Or if you believe you might have that gift, ask God to give you power, to empower that gift so that you can use it to serve others and use it for the glory of God. Again, we know from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, that God is the giver of the gifts and that he empowers all the gifts that he has given us. Here's my point, the prayer point. In other words, instead of pursuing the gift, pursue God. Who is the giver of the gift. Pursue the giver of the gift. That's the way to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I read this book in the last um, six to nine months by Kelly Capick. It's called You're Only Human. And he says this. Pride ignores God as the giver of one's mind and skills. While humility gratefully employs these gifts as an expression of worship. And as a way to help others. That's why we are to pray. It is a humble recognition of our need of Him. And the need for Him to give us our gifts. And, or, or to empower the gifts that God has given us. As, and as we use them, it would be an expression of worship. Worship. We, we were just praying over there just a few moments ago. Our main prayer is that whatever God does this afternoon, it would be for the glory of God. And we pray that it will serve you as well. We are finite creatures. We are. We have to be aware of our limitations. And we need God's provision. We need God's help. And so we must ask and we must pray. Okay, second way to earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. Number two, have a biblically informed definition for the New Testament gift of prophecy. So the gift of prophecy is listed as a gift in a few different places in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 12, 10, uh, we'll look at tomorrow, and here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. But what is it? How do you define the gift of prophecy? Here's how we define it at our church at Covenant Fellowship Church. I, put, I think I put that definition in your outline. Prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. Now, you've got to be very careful with that word divine. Or, excuse me, with that word revelation. You've got to be very careful with that word revelation. What we mean by revelation is that any prophetic words we share today, they will not be added to the canon of Scripture. The canon of Scripture is closed. Any prophetic words you share, you're not going to find it in your Bible tomorrow. The canon of Scripture is is closed. So you might say, well, why use that word revelation? It sounds a little risky. And we use that word because that's the word that Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians 14. Go to verse 26. He says, what then, brothers, when you come together. So he's talking about the gathered church like here or tomorrow morning. Each one has a hymn. We're going to sing tomorrow, a lesson, we're going to hear preaching. There's that word, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Then go down to verse 30. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one. So Paul is linking that word revelation with the gift of prophecy in verses 30 and 31. And Wayne Grudem, he makes this wonderful observation. He says the the, the revelation which comes is thought by Paul to be of divine, not human origin. This is evident first from the fact that the word Paul uses for revelation is actually used 44 times in the New Testament and it never refers to human activity or human communication rather the new testament when the new testament uh, speaks of revelation it is always given by the activity of god so prophecy is the human report of what you believe god what the spirit has brought to mind what the spirit has revealed to you uh, in in your thoughts or maybe in a dream potentially now we can say okay we got the definition That's great. I understand how you're defining it. And we can move on and we can miss a massive truth. That God actually desires to speak to us today. He desires to speak to us. Now, you've got to get this right. The main way, the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. Being in his word each and every day will allow you to hear from God. So you've got to get that right the main way He speaks to us is through His Word. But at times, God will use the gift of prophecy that might speak specifically into your life. And He's speaking to you. We can't miss that truth that the God of the universe loves His people and that He wants to speak to them. Now, prophecy, it is, it is wonderful. It has limitations. It'll never replace the Word of God, but it has a specific wonderful purpose. And that leads to the third way to earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. Number three, be convinced of God's desire to edify His church. Are you convinced of that? Are you convinced that God desires to build His church up? What is, why is the gift of prophecy, according to Gordon Fee, a normal expression of the activity of the Spirit in New Testament churches? Why does Paul say, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy? Why why does he highlight that gift? Why does God give the gift of prophecy to his church? We see our answer in verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for what? Their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. That's why God gives this gift to his church church he wants to build his church up he wants to console his church he wants to con- encourage the people in his church you know one of the things that always affects me when i read this chapter and i would encourage you to read this chapter all the way through but one of the things that in, that always affects me when i read this chapter is this repetitive language that you find throughout the chapter it's this built up language You find it six times in this chapter. You see it in verses 3, 4, 5, 12, 17, and 26. Now we believe that Scripture is inspired by God. These words are written by God. And so that, that repetitive language that He wants to build you up, it captures God's heart for His people. That He desires not to tear you down, but He desires to build you up. And that's important for us, at least most of us, if you're like me. Because most of us can have, as the Puritan John Owen said, we can be prone to have these hard thoughts about God. We can be going through a a time of trial or a financial loss or relational loss. And we can think that God is somehow punishing us. We can have a week where it seems like Every word that comes out of our mouth is almost a sinful word born out of anger. And we can just think that God has had it with us, that he's disgusted with us. He just wants to step back and fold his arms and say, you just work yourself out. And then, then we'll reengage. Those are hard thoughts about God. I have those thoughts. You have those thoughts at times. But then you can come together in a meeting like this. On a Sunday morning. And there's a prophetic word that's shared that speaks right into your life. And it reminds you that God does not desire to tear you down. He desires to build you up. And to encourage you. And to console you. We were, um, as as Joel mentioned, we get a chance to, to serve other Sovereign Grace churches. And some of the folks that are with me have traveled with me. And we were... So we were, uh, we were at a church just uh, a few months ago in, uh, in New Jersey, South New Jersey, Green Tree Church, and some of the folks had, uh, that were with me today were actually there, and um, I taught like I'm teaching now, and, um, and then we did a Q&A, and then we did ministry like we we're going to do this afternoon, and um, there was a, uh, one of our, our folks was with us. Uh, her name is Lori Snyder, and she, she came up to me, during the ministry time, and she said, I didn't arrive here thinking this at all, but I just see this picture of someone with a bonsai tree. You familiar what a bonsai tree is? And it's being pruned, and it's really hard right now, but that God is pruning because he's going to bear good fruit, and I just believe there's somebody going through a tough time, and this is going to be meaningful to them. So I'm kind of thinking, I don't know, bonsai tree? I'm not, I don't know. I don't know about this, you know. is." And so I decided, I just prayed, and I felt like the Lord uh, wanted me to have her share it. So she shared it, just like I just did. And she got done sharing it, and right when she got done, this man stood up. And he said, we've got a bonsai tree. Bought a bonsai tree two years ago. And um, right now, we are going through, my wife and I are going through one of our most challenging seasons. And um, I just want you to know, we came here to get care today. And for for us to hear a word that would speak about a bonsai tree was very meaningful to us. And to understand what God is doing and pruning us right now, it gives us hope that we're going to bear fruit for him. I was like, oh, okay. So he sits down. Another guy stands up. I bought a bonsai tree for my wife 20 years ago. I'm like, no, (laughs) this is crazy. So I bought a bonsai tree 20 years ago. And the people in this church know I haven't been here for some time. But I came today because my wife and I, are, we're really struggling in our marriage, and we just really need help. God is pruning us, and so I came here, and I, I felt like that, just, that, that word gave me encouragement, and it gave me hope. Now, you can't make, make that up, right? The, the point in sharing that story, first of all, is both of those men and their wives, they needed to be encouraged. They needed to be built up. How were they encouraged and built up? Because there was a word that spoke specifically into their situation. And they knew that Lori Snyder had no idea they owned a bonsai tree, right? So that's a specific word that speaks into someone's life that is undeniable. They got to say, that's got to be the Lord to build me up. So be convinced, brothers and sisters, be convinced of God's desire to edify his church, all right? Fourth way to earnestly desire the spiritual, or excuse me, the the gift of prophecy. Keep the gifts connected to the gospel. Keep the gifts connected to the gospel. Here's what I mean by that. I think one of the, the errors that the charismatic or Pentecostal world is prone to make is they functionally separate the gifts from the gospel. I don't think they do that intentionally, but that happens functionally. And there's an overemphasis upon the gifts or an overemphasis on the person that has the gifts and the gospel sort of lost as a separate category. What can happen is the, gos- the, the gifts move to the center and the gospel moves to the periphery. That, ca- that can't happen. Here's why it shouldn't happen. Scripture never does that. Scripture ne- never does that. Let me just give you one example. All right, Just the way that this letter is structured tells you that the gifts are to be connected to the gospel. So Paul begins this letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, saying, I decided to know nothing but what? But Christ and Him crucified. And then he goes on through this letter and he talks, about, he talks about a number of things. He talks about division. He talks about sexual immorality. He talks about idolatry. He talks about lawsuits among believers. What's the one thing that he knows as he walks through each of those topics? It is Christ and Him crucified. In other words, it is Christ and Him crucified that shapes how He addresses each of those situations. And then He gets to chapters 12 through 14 that He gets to the gifts. What does He know? He knows Christ and Him crucified. And then He begins to wrap up this letter in chapter 15. And He says in verse 3, I deliver to you that which is of first importance. What's of first importance? Is it the gifts? No, it's that Christ died for our sins, right? And he goes on and he talks about the, 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 the resurrection and the ascension and he talks about the return of Jesus Christ. So he begins the letter with the Gospel. The, 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 the Gospel runs through the whole letter and then he ends the letter with the Gospel. And so it's an illustration just in the structure of the letter that the gifts exist to encourage the work of the Gospel in your life. So the, the, the illustration I just used... For those men, is to encourage them to get near to Jesus and receive his grace, a work of the gospel in their lives through what they are walking through. So keep the gifts connected to the gospel. And by the way, there are times when the Lord will use a prophetic word to speak to unbelievers. You see that in verses, what is it, 24 and 25 here? Where an unbeliever is among you, the, the text says, and he walks into this meeting and a prophetic word is shared. And what, what does the text say? It says that the secrets of his heart are revealed. And at that moment, he's got to say, All right, God's real. And he drops on his knees, it says, and he, he declares that God is among you. That can happen on a Sunday morning or when the church is gathered together. There is a, uh, there's a, an evangelism course we do called The Bridge. It's a 10-week introduction to Christianity. And um, there's, um, there's a story I want to tell you. And, and Xander's doing fine here, by the way. I, he, he, the boy wants to be a preacher. That's kind of what, what I, I think. That really likes the podium. Yeah, he's taking my pulpit right now. So um, this is a story about uh, Bill and Vivian. Bill... Eighty-nine years old, Vivian about eighty-seven years old, and they go through this bridge course, and they're not Christians, and they're close to death, right? And um, they had not talked through this whole ten-week period. We meet once a week, and there is a, a dinner we have together, and there's a teaching, and then we break into small groups and have discussion. They said nothing the entire ten weeks. And It was the very last meeting, and. Uh, Ron and Lila Knox were leading that meeting. Lila has the gift of prophecy, and they, they finish up the discussion. And uh, she just, she just uh, asked Bill if, she, if he could, she could pray for him, and he said yes. And she sent me this. She said, I, I just had this picture, and this is what she shares with Bill. She said, I, I saw an old pickup truck from the 1950s that he was fixing And there were were parts lying all over the garage floor, and he was full of grease. And I believe this picture meant that his life was very fragmented and that uh, he was feeling very fragmented, like those pieces lying on the floor. But God saw him as one whole person, complete and not fragmented, and that he wanted to free him. So I prayed that God would enable him to see the depths of the love that God have for him. And afterwards, she said, I just, I just looked up and there's tears just streaming down this 89-year-old this man, uh, man year man's cheeks. And she said, does that make sense to you? He goes, I felt that way my whole life. And so she shared the gospel with him again. And she said, would you like to respond and receive Christ as your Savior? And he immediately said yes. And he prayed and repented of his sins and placed his faith in Christ. We, we don't know for certain, but we believe that he became a Christian that evening. My point is that keep the gifts connected to the gospel. Because God will use them in believers' lives to encourage the work of the gospel and potentially in unbelievers' lives. Okay, fifth way to pursue the gift of prophecy. Use the gift of prophecy aware of its limitations and I want to talk about two limitations the gift of prophecy has. The first one is that the gift of prophecy is affected by our finite and fallen humanness. It's affected by our finite and fallen humanness. Our ability to give and re- receive prophetic words is limited and imperfect. That's why I'm so glad 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9 is in our Bibles. For I know in part, right? And I prophesy in part. Thank goodness that verse is in our Bibles. So what that means is that the prophecies found in Scripture, they are infallible. They're infallible. But the prophetic words that we share today, they are fallible because they're given by weak, finite sinners. And as I mentioned earlier, they're not going to be added to the canon of Scripture. So here's what that means. It means and we want to be very upfront and honest about that. We can make mistakes. You can make mistakes if you've got the gift of prophecy. That can happen. And the best way to, if you have the gift of prophecy, the best way to grow in your gift is to use the gift of prophecy. And if you make a mistake, use that opportunity to respond humbly. And if you respond humbly, that actually engenders trust. So I could tell you about a number of mistakes I've made. I could spend another hour talking about mistakes that I've made. All right. Let me just tell you, let me just tell you one story. Uh, there was um, uh, at our church, we, re- we gathered our administrative staff about a month before Christmas. That's about 15, 20 folks. And um, uh, Jared Mellinger, our senior pastor, was just, you know, just caring for them. And we were praying for them. And I, I told Jared I thought I had a prophetic word for someone who was there who just had a lot of fear and trepidation going into the holidays because they were going to encounter an extended family member that, uh, that they were in conflict with, and that, that relationship was sort of broken and not resolved. And so they were just fearful about, oh, man, this is going to be a tough Christmas. And that God wanted to meet them on that morning and prepare them for that. So I said, Jared said, go ahead and share that. So I, I shared that word just as I just gave it to you. And I said, does, does that apply to anyone here? And they did what you're doing at me, with me right now. They just stared at me. <laughs> no one raised their hand. So, of course, in my pride, I said, are you sure there's no one here that this applies to, right? And no one raised their hand. And so I just said, I just said this very simply, I miss it at times. I do. And we went on and we prayed. It was later in that, that afternoon There was a knock about two o'clock in the afternoon, knock on my door. One of the staff members peeked in and they said, I really appreciate your response in that moment. You just admitted mistakes. And I want you to know when you do that, it just helps me to trust you. So when you if you do make mistakes and and praying over here a few moments ago, we weren't praying, Lord, give us mistakes. Of course, we don't want to make mistakes, but if that happens, respond humbly and responding humbly engenders trust now because the gift of prophecy is limited by our finiteness and our fallenness that has that has practical implications for you so if you receive a prophetic word today somebody shares a prophetic impression with you you need to to take it and you need to submit it to scripture to god's word you need to submit it to prayer and the counsel of others in other words. We do not want people making life-changing decisions about their life based on a prophetic word. We do not believe the gift of prophecy is to work that way, and that's an error in the charismatic uh, past and, and Pentecostal, maybe present even as well. We just don't believe that. Uh, as a, you as a church, or we as a family of churches, it kind of gets to the question: Can prophetic words then can they be future-oriented? Can they be future-oriented? That's a a question we all have to wrestle with. And how do we wrestle that and put it into our text and and into the New Testament? Uh, I I believe they they can be future-oriented. But if you have a word like that, that needs to be handled very, very carefully. And the way to handle it carefully is if you have that, submit it to the elders of your church. And let them decide what they're going to do with it. So this was, um, now Dan and Ramona, you'll have to remember, uh, you'll have to help me with this illustration. This was, I don't know, how many years ago? Probably 15 to 20 years ago. And what, what year? 2003? Okay, oh, roughly 2003, right around there. And uh, what they didn't know is they both gave us through, they, I think they sent emails or they talked with us as pastors at Covenant Fellowship. They both sent us a similar word, but they didn't know each other had that word, and we didn't tell them. So basically what they saw was a world map, and they saw Asia, and they saw this fault line that ran through, through Asia, a uh, part of Asia, and that there was going to be basically a, a, some sort of disaster there, and that yet God was going to use that da- disaster redemptively in a number of different ways. That was uh, essentially the, the word that y- you sent us. Say again? Yeah, an That's right. Uh, there was uh, specifically an earthquake followed by a flood, is what it was. Right, right. So that was. So they brought it to us, and we, we they gave it. To, they didn't. We didn't have them share that with the church right away. We actually prayed about it as pastors. What do we? What do we do with a, a word like that? And we decided to have them actually share it in in a prayer meeting, as I remember a corporate prayer meeting. It wasn't on a Sunday morning, but a corporate prayer meeting. And then we just prayed. And it was, it was about a, almost a year later to the day. Do you remember the, um, the earthquake uh, that happened and uh, there was a tsunami that hit Sri Lanka? Do you remember that? that? That happened about one year later from that date. And as soon as, that, as, soon as the headlines hit the, the TV, Bill and Ramona were lighting up our phones. Th- that's what we saw. That's just the area that we saw. And um, so that that did come about. My my point is this. I think prophetic words can be future oriented, but what you do with them and how you handle them, that's most important. And so submit them to to your pastors and to your elders. Okay. second limitation I want to mention. Here's a second limitation. The gift of prophecy has no authority. Did you hear that? The gift of prophecy has no authority on its own. There is only one authority in our lives, and it is Scripture. It is the Word of God. And so prophetic words must be submitted under the authority of the Word of God. They must be measured in light of the Word of God. And because of those two limitations, what we see here in 1 Corinthians 14 is that this gift needs to be governed. You see that in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 14, verse 29. Look at verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak, but let the others weigh what is said. So weigh weigh, weigh means you're to discern. You're to think about what, what is said. But who are the others in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29? Well, this is the, the gathered church, right? This is everybody gathered together like you're going to be gathered together in your church tomorrow morning. So if everybody's heard this word, the others is everybody. You all, we all have a responsibility to to weigh what is said, to discern what is said. And then and then in another sense, we know from, I believe, these verses that the elders of the church have a responsibility to bring order to the worship service. And what's happening in Corinth, Corinth, as you well know, is that it's a chaotic worship service. And it's the elders, it's the pastors that need to bring order because God is a God of order is what it says there in verse 40, right? So in that sense, the, the elders of the church have a responsibility to, to weigh what is said. So the way that we practice that at Covenant Fellowship Church is we have a, a, a mic, a prophecy mic, a ministry mic up front on Sunday mornings, and one of our pastors is assigned to that each and every Sunday. And typically we have three or four people that come up and they'll, we have them share the word with us and then we discern which of those words are going to be shared. So that's the way that we practice it. And um, one of the things we, uh, we talk about on on the prophecy team is, is that, and this has happened to every one of us, it's, it's happened to me. Uh, we, we bring up our prophetic word, and our prophetic word is not taken. We don't share it. And so we, we say we make the walk of shame back to our seat, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but we say that because we want to we, we, we laugh at ourselves. We want to laugh about this. We, we don't take ourselves seriously, but we take Jesus seriously. And so that's why we, we, we laugh about it. In fact, I, there was a time recently, this will give you a little picture of my wife. There was a time recently where I went up and, and Andy Farmer was at the mic and I shared it. And he didn't have me share the word, so I took my walk of shame back to my seat. And I stood next to my wife and she said to me, thanks for playing. (laughs) And those of you that know Jill knows that's a true statement. (laughs) So you might think, well, doesn't doesn't government like that? If you can use that term, doesn't government, doesn't that squelch the spirit? Doesn't that restrain the gift of prophecy? And I think if you ask the folks that have come with me, actually it has the opposite effect. It frees them to use the gift of prophecy. Because you think the Lord's given you an impression, and now you bring it to your pastor, and you give it to him, the burden shifts from you to him. Now he's got the problem. And then you've got to, you're freed up, right? And he's got to carry the burden to decide whether that prophetic word share or not. It frees you up to use the gift of prophecy. Okay. Six last way to earnestly desire to get to prophecy. Number six, have a biblically informed understanding of personal prophecy. Now, here's why I'm saying that. The context of 1 Corinthians 14 is what? It's the, it's the corporate church. A couple of times in this chapter, it says, when we come together. So it's talking about the gathered church. So does Scripture allow for someone to share a prophetic word with an individual? You got to wrestle with that biblically. Is there is that okay biblically? And uh, we believe that it is. A couple of evidences in Scripture where we see that is Acts chapter twenty one verses ten through eleven, uh, which is Agabus's uh, prophecy to to Paul, and then uh, the one I want to draw attention to is a, a prophecy that is referenced that was given to Timothy in First Timothy chapter one verses eighteen and nineteen. I think I put these verses in your outline. This charge, I. This is Paul now speaking to Timothy. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. About who? About you, Timothy. That seems pretty personal, doesn't it? Prophecies made about you that, by them, you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. So we think there is biblical. Room for us to share prophetic words with individuals, and because personal prophecies are for speci- it would be for a specific individual, they're not to be shared in the gathered church, um, but they could be shared after church, if you find yourself praying for someone. And by the way, one of the things we talk about and it's a, it's a fairly common experience, is if we didn't have our prophetic words shared, and we go back to our seat, and our wife says, "Thanks for playing." Uh, we can have a conversation with someone in the lobby later, and we get in this conversation, and you realize, oh, my goodness, I think this prophetic impression is for, for them. And we pray for them, and they are built up. They are in, in courage. And so the, the purpose of personal prophecy is the same as you see for the corporate setting there in verse 3. It is for the edification of the church. One of the things we do at, at Covenant Fellowship is we do these quarterly exploring the gift of prophecy meetings. We do that because we have uh, people sort of in and out of our church different times. We're a church of about 1,000 people, and, and um, we've sent out a lot of church plants. We just sent out about 50 people last fall, 50 to 55 people, people to plant a church. And now we've got – we've seen this over and over again. We send people out, and God brings people. And so there's a lot of new people that have been in our church in the last few months. And so they might be interested Like you're interested, maybe in the gift of prophecy, and so this was a a Friday night uh, where when I do these, and when we um, when we do these meetings, I always teach. So when we do ministry with the gift uh, with the gift of prophecy, we always teach because we want it rooted in in God's word, and we want to enjoy the work of the Spirit within the good boundaries of Scripture. We don't want to move outside those boundaries. And so we always, I always teach, or whoever's leading the meeting teaches, we, we teach from God's Word. And then we typically, we might do a Q&A, but we do some ministry time. And there are times, and I might do this today, by the way, is ask one of you to come forward and ask us, just let us pray for you, so that you can see how we prophesy over an individual. And this particular evening, uh, a woman by the name of Alita Cross, who is in her mid-70s and a, a member, a dear member of our church, she came to this meeting for the very first time she said this um, she she sent me this the next day in an email She said, I was a little hesitant to come last night my uninformed perception was that the meeting was for the super saints of the church who regularly hear from God I'm like who are those people I don't know who those people are who are super saints right oh who oh okay all right good uh, but a, a friend of hers encouraged her to come, and so she came. So on that evening, I asked the to, to come up and ask if we could pray for her. And so members of the prophecy team prayed for her. And she said this, I didn't have any expectations for the prayer time. So when virtual strangers pray, now l- let me just stop for a moment there. As I mentioned, our church is about 1,000 people. And so there's times when we just are meeting people for the first time. I mean, it's, it's very embarrassing for a pastor where I can meet somebody. I was like, like, uh, is this your first time here? No, I've been coming for five years. You know, that, that kind of, that can happen in our church. It does. It's so, it's so bad. So she said, I didn't have any expectations for the prayer time. So when virtual strangers prayed and spoke to areas of deep insecurity, even using phrases and terminology that mimics some of the self-talk that cycles through my mind. I was struck to the core. She says, God, and then she says, God, capital G, capital O, capital D. God knows my fears and my my fault lines and spoke healing words to them. She said, I I was blown away and continue to be every time I recall that evening. I can't remember when I was so encouraged. That's stunning because the God of the universe. It's not stunning because of what we share. It's because God, the God of the universe, desired that evening to even lead me by the Spirit to bring her forward and speak prophetic words into her life that, were, that contain words that only were in her thought life. Exact words. Now, what does she make of that? We didn't know those words, but God was speaking to her. And as she said, healing her and building her up. See, God desires to build you up. That's why he gives this gift. He desires to encourage you and to build up his church. And that's an example of personal prophecy. Let me just go to... uh, a statement from our statement of faith that I put in your outline, and, and Joel read part of this before, but I want to end there because our statement of faith is are is our, our theological convictions, and this is what we believe: the full range of spiritual gifts remain at work in the church, and are given for the good of the church. We saw that in 1 Corinthians fourteen three, right? Given for the good of the church, and its witness to the world. We are therefore to earnestly desire and practice them until Christ returns. So may the Spirit help us to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And maybe for some of you, especially that you may prophesy. Amen? Amen.